Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri <gasps> and beyond. I'm Executive Director James Owen coming to you live on tape from the palatial Renew Missouri studios in beautiful North Columbia uh, on the board from his undisclosed location in Kansas City, Philip Frasica. Hi, Philip. Good morning. Happy to be here. Or it could be good afternoon, could be the evening. We gotta be non-specific with these things because we don't know what experience the audience is having listening to this podcast. So well, good I'll, day. I'll never tell. Okay. <laughs> uh, joining us, <laughs> that's good. Joining us uh, in studio, our guest when we have no one else to talk to was Tim Opitz. <laughs> what? No, Tim, I'm kidding. No, you, uh, I think you, you call yourself in something, I think in your bio, you called yourself like Renew Guru. Um, guest star. Guest star. Yeah. That's right. That was very funny. I don't know. I don't know if that ever made it to the official um, bio page, but I hope it did because I thought it was pretty good. I don't know if it made the cut or not. I kept it in there. I don't know if Tori cut it or not. Tori Cheatham, uh, who is in our St. Louis office, who's kind of taking over our, our website stuff because she's really good at it. Um, so if you don't like anything on our website, call her. All right. Um, Tim, I kid, because we have uh, made some news this week. Uh, Renew Missouri did, as we try to do. We try to get in the paper. We try to uh, use the platform of the media to educate the public about the things we do here. Um, because we've got a couple of really big cases that have been going on for the past several months involving the major utilities in our state seeking something called an AAO from the Public Service Commission. Uh, now, as you all know, if you're an investor-owned utility, which is a privately owned utility that has stake shareholders uh, like Evergy in Kansas City, like Ameren in uh, St. Louis, like Spire if you're in Kansas City or St. Louis, Liberty, if you're down in Southwest Missouri, um, they all get regulated by the Public Service Commission. Any kind of major significant issues involving their ratepayers has to be approved by the Public Service Commission. Just getting that out there to remind you. Um, now, what now? An AEO is an accounting authority order, right? That's right. Did I do that right? Okay, good. One example. Thank you, Philip. That is one example where show prep actually did me some good because I think I called it something else before we went on mic. All right, so basically, to kind of break this down as a concept, is an AAO is what a utility company seeks when they're wanting some sort of favorable bookkeeping authority from the Public Service Commission in anticipation of a future rate case. If something happens, if something unforeseen or an emergency happens and they say, okay, this is going to be expensive or we're going to lose, you know, we're going to lose money off of this, we need to make sure that we have authority in place right now. So when we go see a rate increase later or some sort of rate adjustment later, that this will be put in place for us to say, this is how we keep track of it in our books. Am I close? Yeah, you're close. Okay. It, it, it comes down to the accounting. Utility regulation is very accounting heavy. Oh, it <laughs> so, is, it is. Uh, it comes down to they if, if they incur a big expense like uh, storm costs or yeah. a tornado or something like yeah. that. Um, if their fiscal year ends, they would have to otherwise write that off and as a loss. As a loss, right? But if they get this deferral authority, they can carry it on their books uh, 
as an asset, as for a, lack of a better term. Yeah, as, as an asset. They call it a regulatory asset, regulatory asset. Right. which is different than a regular asset because it's not like something physical or tangible or anything like that. It's basically just your ability to how you keep track of it. Yeah, right? it's it's the bundled derivatives of the utility regulation market. <laughs> you ever seen the big short film? <laughs> Yeah, you need to say that. We don't do visual yes. Okay, yeah. I so that you know where a bundle derivative of that is. Okay. It's an intangible property, right? It's an intangible asset. That's right. Because uh, most of the time when we think of assets, it's something you can touch or you can feel or it's in a bank account. That's not what this is. So, um, yeah. And I mean, that, okay, so that's important. You, you bring up an important point, Tim. When we talk about utility regulation, um, when we talk about rate increases, accounting, such a big part of how that works. Because look, I mean, when a utility company comes in to seek a rate adjustment, which is usually a rate increase, um, they are they are opening their books to regulators. Regulators and parties like public counsel. I mean, not so much us. We don't really look at the books. We don't look at that. That's not necessarily something that we're that interested in. Yeah, we look at them. I mean, well, we're, I mean I'm not, we're not it's offering, our focus. We're not offering testimony on it, but to right. the extent that those <laughs> authorizations facilitate renewable projects or energy efficiency, you know, pre-MIA, a lot of the energy efficiency programs were uh, accounted for using AAOs. You mean the Missouri Energy Efficiency Investment Act? Right. All or right, okay. like, for example, Liberty Empire is constructing 600 megawatts of wind yes. in the southern part of the state, right. Kansas. Yes. And uh, before they sought their approval, they had to get permission to use certain accounting methods. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so we got involved in that. So well, we then do, that's we fine. We look at a lot of the accounting because it's very central to utility regulation. I, I didn't mean to suggest we didn't. I mean, I, I think, you know, when you, when you look a lot at like what bookkeeping involves and how some parties look at it. They're looking at things like prudency and that sort of thing. We are not looking for that. We are looking at like making sure that utility companies are able to make the investments that we want them to make and that we help support those financial processes that let them do it. That's right. Okay. There you go. And Coach Freud, if you're listening, that high school accounting is paying <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I took uh, two accounting classes in college. And I think I got an average of a B in both of those. And so if Dr. Wyatt, uh, my accounting professor, only could see me now, he would probably be in horror because <laughs> he thought I was a weirdo anyway. And um, he would probably be like, that guy doesn't know anything about accounting. Now, Philip, put you on the spotlight a bit. You got a financial degree from college, did you know it? Yes, and uh, took three accounting courses, including financial accounting. And when you're bringing up the big short, also had to delve into our financial crisis and all the failings we had throughout the sector. So, I'm glad you. Brought, I'm glad we're talking about that because that's going to be kind of relevant to what we're talking about here. Because okay, so I think we've kind of talked about what an AAO is, and we've talked about why it's important. We talked about why it matters. So, uh, guys, have you heard about COVID? <laughs> I've been yes. saving that joke all morning. Uh, <laughs> COVID, yes, the uh, the nightmare that we've been living with for what uh, seven and a half months now. Who's keeping track of this? Maybe seven months. Quite a while. Quite a while. Uh, I've kind of lost track. Uh, okay, so one of the things that we 
as a group, as Renew Missouri, with a lot of other people who are involved with utility rate making, one of the things that we've been trying to figure out kind of as we go along is how utilities and regulators are going to deal with this situation. Because with COVID, you have had a lot of businesses shut down or slow production. You have more people at home. Uh, you have a risk of disconnection uh, for people who are struggling financially. Um, because not only is it a matter of like how people are acting as far as like how they how they are adjusting their behaviors uh, from what they've normally done versus what they have to do now in the world of lockdown orders and uh, stay in place orders and just generally trying to stay away from other people who might make you irreparably sick. Um, there's been a question of like, well, how does that affect uh, consumption of energy? How does that affect the consumption of power? How does that affect energy efficiency? Those are things that we have spent a lot of time over the past several months uh, talking about here. If you listen to our health and energy webinars, which I hope you have, I think they've been pretty good. Um, you know, Philip, Andrew, Tori, me, we've all had um, discussions about, you know, what it's like to be inside more and why it's more, it makes it more important to focus on your air quality. So one of the other things is, yeah, what is this going to do to the industry as a whole? And I think it's still, still it's still pretty early to really know what the long-term impacts are. Because I mean, let's keep in mind, uh, you guys keep mentioning the derivatives and all the financial impacts from 2008. Uh, you know, keep in mind, I mean, when I first started working in energy policy in 2016, we were still talking about the uh, financial crisis from 2008 when I started. I mean, so that was eight years at least that we were still dealing with the ramifications of that. So I think it's gonna be at least that much moving forward from this. So what we know is um, that utility companies have had to incur costs that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. They've had to, oh, you know, deal with people being home more, dealing more with like the safety and security of their employees who have to work. I mean, like if you're in a, if you're in a power plant, as an example, you're very essential. <laughs> so to make sure that you are going to be still working, there's going to be costs there. Obviously, all of this was unforeseen. Obviously, all of this was not something anybody was expecting. So when utility companies were like looking at how 2020 was supposed to look like, they weren't factoring a global pandemic. So what we started seeing, I think, was it in April? Was it May? We started seeing um, some utilities come in. Um, Evergy and Spire, I think, were the first two. Evergy being the utility that's based out of Kansas City, Spire being based out of St. Louis, but kind of covers um, uh, service territory all over the state. Uh, they came in and said, well, look, this was their initial filing. What they said was, look, um, we want an AAO, one of those like accounting authority orders, um, to cover costs uh, associated with this pandemic, but also, they wanted to cover lost revenue. Hmm, let's dig into that for a second. So what the utilities were saying, and now it's not just Evergy Inspire, but Ameren has also come in just recently with this, and so is Liberty Empire, and I think so is Missouri American. We don't do a lot with Missouri American, but- Yeah, know, Missouri American filed one. We Pretty early. We didn't uh, get involved with that. Yeah, we don't, we don't really get involved with that stuff. I mean, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but, so, Tim, what was the gist of their argument when they filed this saying, we want to recover the lost revenues from all this? 
um, that they would like to have that additional <laughs> money, basically. Well, I mean, okay, but they're basically saying like this pandemic has caused us to lose money. Right. Right. They're saying people are using less energy and we're not recovering all of our uh, fixed costs that are built into the value metric rates. Yeah. Uh, so they the, the companies that asked for that, I know, were uh, Spire in its initial filing. Yeah. Evergy in its initial filing. Um, I think Liberty Empire in its initial filing. Um, and then Ameren in its Ameren in the last week or so has filed its own request yeah. and those cases, they did not ask for lost revenues, at least in the same manner that mm-hmm. um, Evergy and Inspire initially did. Yeah. But that's because we've seen sort of the way the parties have developed into different positions that they yeah. staked out. So, so let's so- talk about that. I mean, this lost revenue request to have that, uh, have that covered by an AAL was met with skepticism. Is that safe to say? <laughs> Yeah, there were a lot of uh, parties that were involved. Um, Renew Missouri got involved. National Housing Trust got involved. Who we represent. Missouri. Yeah. Um, uh, Midwest Energy Consumer Consumers Group. group MECG. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if MIEC might have. Uh, Sierra Club got involved. Yeah. And, of course, the commission staff and OPC. And they're involved with almost every case by matter of law. So, yeah, so they basically had, I mean, we all, I mean, so like, look, I mean, Renew Missouri, to the extent that we saw any kind of concerns about whether this was going to have an impact on um, renewable energy or energy efficiency investment, this particular filing did not. Uh, we, we, we entered into this because we kind of wanted to monitor it. We kind of wanted to watch it. We wanted to see if there might be something that came up there. National Housing Trust had more of a defined interest. Well, yeah, I would say Renew's interest was, um, I'll say, a little broader. I mean, we, we oh. wanted people to, uh, so we wanted to, because we've had, since the pandemic started, we've had, you know, our utilities see a big drop off on their MIA energy efficiency yeah. programs. And so yeah. we've had to tinker with that a little, a little right. bit. But, it was, but we thought it might come up more. I mean, I think we were more anticipating it could come up, and it didn't really come during these cases? Well, so in the Spire case, for example, which was approved yesterday, um, not yet effective, but- there Or was do a, you mean on October 21st it was approved? On October 21st. Because people might right. not be listening to this today. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're looking with the illusion of time. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. now, now I'm just picturing that Salvador Dali melting pot <laughs> uh, art. So well, it's a concept. You so know. Anyway, it's a construct. There, the parties reached a stipulation <laughs> agreement in there. Yeah. Uh, it basically saying the company's going to do X, Y, and Z, and yeah. they'll get an AAO for these delineated costs. Yes. Um, the commission had an on-the-record hearing this week, and, right? Or on <laughs> October nineteenth. Yes. And approved it at their agenda on. You know, this week is still pretty relative. That's probably fine. All right. Okay. I shouldn't uh, have a standard. I should have like kind of a style guide for this, shouldn't I? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that, yeah, this isn't in Strunk and White or anything like that. As uh, what? Strunk and White, isn't that the style guide? I don't know. What is that? It's like a yes. style guide. It oh. gives you like different forms you should adhere to. Uh, okay. It's kind of like a blue book. Oh, I know what that is. Okay. So... <laughs> 
the commission approved this agreement and within that agreement there was a customer arrearage payment plan that nht and the office of public council pushed for yeah and that plan uses some of this unspent energy efficiency money to help customers who've developed COVID arrearages uh -huh. so right. so that was kind of a within our nexus of things we're interested in well it, it, yes i mean to the extent yeah okay i mean of course. I mean, we didn't, I mean, we, you know, we are interested in making sure that people have access to energy. They have access to programs, policies. That is something that's kind of evolved a little bit with our group in regards to making sure that it's not just a matter of saying we're uh, pursuing renewable energy policy and energy efficiency policy in the state, but making sure there's something that's a little more equality to it. And so when you have situations where people are in a pandemic, I mean, ultimately, I, I kind of want to, I know we're kind of jumping ahead to some more specifics here, and I think that's fine. You know, ultimately, what, what I saw as a concern, and I think what some of these other parties saw as a concern was that these AAOs that the utilities were pursuing uh, were very much looking at the financial impact of what was happening to the company. And they were not so much looking at the financial impact of what was going on with their customers. And you know, since the Public Service Commission has said they're a balancing act between the two, which I know I have some, I, I don't know, I agree with that perspective on their mission, but that's their, that is what they say their mission is, um, that they that they were not, that, that what this was being sought did not strike a balance. And we wanted to see that be remedied. And that's what we were doing here. Now, regards to the spire agreement they ended up not seeking lost revenue right um in part so they agreed not to seek uh the main lost revenue yeah um but there are some provisions in there to oh they can account for certain well like costs right Right, but so like, in the, if you look at the order, there are there is literally the words used lost revenues, mm -hmm. but it's not referring to energy that they didn't sell, right, or, or uh, gas that they didn't yeah. sell. It's a uh, term of art, I guess. Yeah, because so. I mean, for lack, I mean, because like, I think that was the biggest problem a lot of people had is like, how can you, how do you evidence something that didn't happen, right? I mean, that's like, <laughs> like how do you prove a negative? Like, if you say like we lost revenue, right? Like, how do you, I mean, it is very tenuous to say that that's something that can be accurately calculated, or at least from my perspective, that seems problematic. It opens up a, a, a whole other level of speculation about what can be considered appropriate for AAOs or any kind of recovery. Right. Have we talked about these cases before we had this podcast? <laughs> uh, well, okay. <laughs> well, something I can add, looked at yes, it a little bit up. yesterday. Yes. Um, so on lost revenue, it has a point that they can, Aspire can recover around waived to late payment fees, reconnection charges, and disconnection charges. Right. Um, there's also a, a note here, and Tim, you might be able to talk about this a little further, but um, they're saying the stipulation addresses how the parties agree to many different things, including lost revenues. But there's this point that treatment of this stipulation is pending the outcome of an Evergy appeal on AAOs. So does that mean that could change lost revenue for Spire based on how Evergy plays out? 
I think that is in there because there is a. Uh, is it the what, coal plant case? The, the Sibley AIO yeah. case, and Evergy is appealing that. And so there was some concern that, uh, as in the filing, that whatever the outcome of that appeal may be, it could invalidate all AAOs. And so the parties to this case wanted to say, well, if all AAOs are invalidated, we want this one to be tossed out as well. Yeah. So, and, and folks, loyal. Renew Guru listeners will recall in December of last year, we did a podcast on the Sibley AAL. Basically, what that case was, was where uh, Evergy had sought to, they, they were closing down the Sibley plant in eastern Jackson County early. They were seeking to book that as a regulatory asset. No, they didn't want to book it. Oh, they didn't want to book it. Oh, that's right, because someone forced them. Yeah, that's right. You're right. wanted to book Thank you, Tim. Yeah, they did. They weren't gonna. They weren't gonna do anything with it. But then, like other parties, like Osfeld Council, like MECG, the uh, industrial uh, con, uh, commercial customers, they said we want you to book this as a liability, right? Right. And everybody challenged that. We didn't get involved with it as Renew Missouri because we, I mean, frankly, didn't care how they did it. We just were happy they closed the coal plant. So, but so what ultimately happened was the utility was told you had to book this as a liability, which means that was going to be used against them in a future rate case or could be used against them in a future rate case. None of these things, by the way, are things that they have to do later. I mean, that's another thing that's important to remember here. They get this authority or not, and then they can choose to use it or not, or the utility or the regulators can choose to grant it that way or not. So there's like a whole other fight they can have later based on this authority they get now as to whether that's appropriate in terms of a rate case. Okay. So the Sibley regulatory liability was ruled on by the commission and now it's being appealed and that appeal is still pending. Yes. Yes. It's still pending. So depending on what approach the Western district court of appeals takes on that, that could have an impact on AAOs, including this one, including the one that Evergy's got for this COVID-related case, as well as the other ones that are put forth by the by the other utilities, Airman, Liberty, et cetera. Yep. Right? Okay. Okay. So <laughs> that's what that means, Philip. Good question. Great. Good question. I mean, so I mean, and I guess. You know, I've I've had some I've had some emails this week. Uh, we this was uh, the focus of an article in the Kansas City Star that I think came out on Monday, um, where because now okay, Spire, as of October twenty first, they had their uh, this agreement. This the Spire case did not go to trial. It went to a hearing where we had every party involved with this agreed to. Uh, certain provisions in here that would allow uh, Spire to recover certain things, but it also had provisions on there that were supposed to aid and assist uh, with customers in trying to, you know, deal with the burden of disconnections and arrearages and all these other things. Certainly, without getting into the specifics of the settlement of that, because we're not supposed to do that, we had made we had staked out a position that we wanted them to be much more aggressive with their consumer protections. Um, that equality and fairness that we are now pursuing for access to this. That was something that was very important to us with that. Also incredibly important to NHT, our partners on that. Um, we didn't get everything we wanted. We got some things, certainly was something that I know that we would like to see 
you know, the utilities do more than what they're going to be ordered to do, but that is how these things work. <laughs> you get what you think you can live with, you get what you think will help, and then you hope that, that you can build on that. So with Evergy, um, Evergy, okay, so I can't get into the specifics of our settlement there, but Evergy has filed a, what is called a non-unanimous agreement stipulation with certain parties where they have filed this and they are going to do certain things and parties like National Housing Trust, Office of Public Counsel, uh, they have objected. Yeah, those two parties objected. Right. NHT's filed objection uh, talked about you know needing more uh, uh, customer protections right. and things related to the COVID arrearages uh, that some right. of these customers are getting. OPC basically, um, well, we know why because we've heard the settlements, but in their public filing, it's very blank. So it just says we object to that situation. Yeah. So that was uh, filed on October 8th. The parties, those two parties objected on the 15th. Yeah. And we are expecting a hearing in mid-November. In November. So, right. Um, could be a whole new world by mid-November. <laughs> or not. Uh, yeah. It's, it seems like a lifetime away, but. Oh goodness. It'll, 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 it'll hurt. It'll sting, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah. And I, again, we can't, we can't really divulge into like things that we've talked about with the utility. We can't divulge the things we've talked about with other parties, but we do know that they have filed that the parties who do agree with what they've come up with have filed that that's public. The objections are public and there will be a hearing on that unless we are able to work it out between now and then. It's possible, anything's possible. I really didn't think we were gonna get any kind of settlement offer on this, but the fact that we got something I thought was a good start. So, um, hey, listen, and listen, it is expensive. It is time consuming to try these things. I mean, and there's no certainty to how the Public Service Commission is going to rule on it. I know there are a lot of people out there who don't like when these cases get settled they think that you should swing for the fences. They think if you don't run up the if you don't run up the scoreboard, you should just burn the building down while you're at it. But my opinion is, you get what you can, and you make that you mark that as a bit of progress. You move the ball down the court. That is my personal opinion, and that's how I try to dictate how we operate this organization. It's turning a cruise ship, right? Not a speedboat. Yeah, that's a good analogy. What do you go, Tim? I stole that from the last president. So oh, okay. Uh, yeah, um, we said that a lot when I worked in the Nixon administration because it was everyone kind of demands all these things happen quickly, but you're dealing with multi-billion-dollar companies affecting millions of customers, and that is not easy uh, to fix. Uh, things don't happen immediately, usually. Um, so that's where that is. And I know I've had some people say, well, like this doesn't seem like this is how private companies should behave. They shouldn't, they, they see this as like, are they seeking some sort of bailout? Well, I mean, look, they're not, they're, they're private companies to the extent that they have, um, that they are privately chartered and they are, um, you know, they're, they're, they're governed by their shareholders, but they're also governed by the regulations of the state. The Public Service Commission has to give them the green light on certain things. They are monopolies by uh, their very existence. So the you know regulators kind of serve as a check on that monopoly. That's their whole, I mean, in my opinion, that's one of the primary purposes of the regulators. Um, so because they can't just raise their rates willy-nilly, 
they have to, you know, they have to go through these steps and processes. And that's why this is not necessarily a free market argument we're having here. So you can say like, well, they should be able to do whatever they want. Well, that's not what they can do. But I mean, you know, anyway, Tim, did I make this more confusing or does this make sense? I don't know how we describe this. I think that you explained it quite well. Well, uh, thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Uh, I mean, we, 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 it's, it's not about the destination, James. It's about the journey. Oh, I mean, do you think it took us a while to get there? <laughs> uh, this is complicated stuff, folks. I mean, like, I, like, and then one of the things that we are, I'm trying to do with these uh, podcasts, these webinars, is we're trying to um, define what goes on with these utility cases, what goes on with energy policy in a way that it, that makes it less uh, bewildering the people. And I don't, I'm not trying to say I'm gonna make it simple because I don't think this is simple. I don't think anybody does a good job of making this easy to understand. It's set up to be complicated. Well, what about um, Commissioner Root? He's got the simplifying energy. Oh, <laughs> he does. Has he posted anything on that lately? Oh, not only that. Okay. Commissioner Ruby, you're listening. We, we do like those podcasts and we would like for you to do those again. Um, okay, what's happening here? Uh, sorry, we're, <laughs> we're conferring on something. We might have to edit this part out. Um, oh, with Spire, Philip? Yes. Okay, sorry, we're, okay, so we are doing this remotely. Here, let me let me pull back the curtains on this, everybody. Uh, this will be really exciting for all of you who love hearing the process of podcasting. Uh, since we're doing this remotely, um, Philip asked us a question by uh, by text by chat about something whether or not we could talk about something. I think we can um, on this, at least with Spire, anyway. Okay, and the question is, um, there is an agreement. Okay, and this and this okay. This is important. I'm glad we brought this up. Okay, so um, some of what the relief is in the Spire case regards um, relief packages for customers, arrearage debt kind of management. And one thing that was important to me, um, and I think it's certainly important to the public council, is where that money is going to come from, okay? What this agreement says, what, 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 is the, what is the amount, Tim? You're looking at it here. Yeah, the company agrees to create a rearage matching payment plan for current customers that are in their arrears. Um, they owe money as well. Blah, that blah, means. blah. Yeah. And then there's certain criteria. The plan will include up to a million dollars from Spire and up to a million dollars redirected from. Um, energy efficiency program yeah and this was a big okay and like during all these talks about this, this was a big thing for us i mean like we wanted this relief to come immediately we wanted it to come soon and quite frankly the fact that we are dealing with a spire settlement in late october after this has been going on since mid-march is i mean i don't want to be overly critical <laughs> But I would say that the state of Missouri in general has been very um, behind on this at every level, all right? I mean, like if you're, if you're listening to this from outside of Missouri, and I know there's a few people that do, 
Um, we've not been great on this. It's, that's just my personal opinion. And that is not a partisan opinion. That is not a political opinion. And I know that probably doesn't sound very genuine coming from me as a former political hack, but I mean, that is true. It's not been great. And how we've been dealing with this with utility companies has their, their response has been okay. They took voluntary measures immediately. Those voluntary measures have for the most part ceased in the summer um, so disconnections are going on. Uh, bill collection is going on. Um, there is a uh, there is a workshop with the PSC talking about disconnections and bill arrearages. And uh, you know the numbers there show that you know while disconnections and bill um, arrearages aren't like as volume. I mean they're not like there's not that many more than there were say like this time last year. But like the severity of them are are way worse. Right. So if you were in bad shape, you're in worse shape now. Okay, that's basically what those show. And the PSC is doing a workshop on bill dis on, on, on disconnections of service and bill disconnections in mid-November. <laughs> It'll be eight months since we, we first started canceling stuff and people had to stop working and now we're just getting a workshop. What was I saying? Oh, I was talking about the, okay, the relief. Yes, okay. Get that rant done. <laughs> Excuse me. Don't worry. I had a test that was negative. Okay, so um, so this okay, so some of this relief, this is two million dollars in relief. And like, okay, so keep in mind with Spire, not to minimize the importance of what that utility provides, but you know, you don't spend as much money on gas service. If you're a gas customer, you're not spending as much as you would on, say electricity or water. So, I mean, your bills typically are not going to be that high. Particularly in the, the summer months. Yeah, right? that's right. In the spring, summer, early fall, your gas bill is not going to be that high. You're going to see big electric bills. You're going to see big electric August. bills. Yeah, that's right. And I think we, we had a relatively, I mean, relatively speaking, we had a pretty mild summer. We're lucky in that regard. Um, but so $2 million, I, it's my personal opinion, can go a long way to help gas customers. I mean, I, I think that's a good I think that's a good deal. Most importantly, however, is half of that is coming from Spire shareholders. That's coming from the non-ratepayer funds. So, because I mean, one of the one of the criticisms that you hear consumer groups or groups like us talk about in regards to utility rate making and utility management is there is a lot of reliance on uh, making customers deal with paying for things that didn't work out or making them pay for things that might've been part of the risk of running a business and that the shareholders are increasingly more um, insulated from that. And truth be told, it's a pretty legitimate complaint. <laughs> if you're a shareholder at a utility company, you're, you've got a pretty safe conservative investment. That's why people invest in utility companies, right? So, but the fact that like half of this is coming from a um, from from the shareholders, I think is significant. I think that's important. Now you'll look at other states that, like say for example, just east of here in Illinois, they have like what is essentially a disconnection moratorium that's going on for the foreseeable future, right? And I know there's a lot of people, a lot of advocates, and a lot of people we work with said so that's what this needs to look like. Well, yeah, it worries me, but. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the reason it war I mean, and the reason one, and listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to be contradictory to any of our allies or anything like that, but the reality is eventually that bill is going to be due from someone. 
Like the fact that like the utilities have not been able to disconnect anyone and provide service to those customers is eventually going to have to be borne by somebody. And in those states, there's been nothing done to say it needs to be borne by shareholders. It will eventually be paid by other ratepayers. Right. Right. Well, or or those customers will, when the moratorium eventually ends, they'll have a five thousand dollar debt they have to pay. Right. Which is which? Yes, which is very possible too. So that talk about a, a anchor around you. I mean, if you uh, have that debt accruing that's very so, bad so there does need to be i think our public service commissions do need to take a leading role in coming up with a way to address that because yes they're not doing the utility uh any favors yeah. by making them to be the bad guy right they're not doing the other rate payers who are able to pay their bills right now any favors by saying you're going to bear this cost later and they're certainly well they're doing some favor by keeping their power on but in right. the long term if that debt is eventually owed, it's it will. I, it is my opinion. It would probably do more harm than good. All right. So, does that answer? I mean, so I think that's a good point to bring up, Philip. I, it is my opinion that ratepayers should um, ratepayers should not have to be bearing all this cost. Yeah, and that's what I was wanting to to get at, and I'm glad we can talk about it. So, thank you. Well, thanks. Uh, you know, I guess, you know, it brings up a point I should like maybe promote some of our topics in advance and we can have people ask questions. I only really did this because I got a, a number of emails and I didn't want to answer all of them. So I tried to answer them with this. So I'm going to try to like do this in one fail swoop. So I'm looking at the clock in the studio, we're running out of time. Um, Tim, anything you want to plug? Well, I want to plug Missouri. So yeah, give us money. We're going to have our year in appeal coming out in November. Uh, we're, we've, we've actually done pretty well in weathering all of this this year, but we have a lot of big things we're working on and we need help for if you can do it. So, but more urgently, if you got an email from us yesterday saying we want you to fill out our, renew, our rural electric cooperative survey, if you're in a cooperative area and you're a customer or you're a member owner, we want you to fill that out. If you're not, refer to friends who do live there. And if they list you as a referral or you fill it out and you are a co-op member, which by the way, people are filling this out and saying they're uh, investor and utility uh, members. That's not helpful, even if you live in a rural area. Okay, so we're not gonna count those. But if you do, uh, if you do fill it out, you are refer, if you refer someone who fills it out, you'll all be eligible for five uh, $50 Amazon gift cards that we're gonna pass out probably hopefully by the first month of next month. November, in case you're listening to this months later. So if you're listening to it later, you're too late. So anyway, uh, that is something that's available on your email. Go check it out. I think it's on our website too. You should know that. Sorry about the lack of show prep, everybody. <laughs> but go check it out. We'll send it with this. We'll send it with this email too. All right. Now, on behalf of Renew Missouri, Tim Ovitz, thank you. Sorry about the sorry about the dig about you being here just because I couldn't find anybody else. <laughs> we love you, Philip. Thank you. And uh, yeah, we want to thank all of you for your support. Uh, we want you to share this with your social media content, with your social media platforms, write a positive review, subscribe to this on all major podcast platforms, and we will see you next time on the radio.